Welcome to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brandon Adams, lifestyle entrepreneur and inventor, passionate about helping others with creating something great and becoming unforgettable. Each week we discuss helpful tips on becoming a successful entrepreneur and interview other entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Our goal is to help take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. On today's show, we have J.B. Crum III. This guy is going to teach you how to become a millionaire. He became a millionaire by 25 years old. He's going to show you the steps he took of actually being conscious of becoming a millionaire and then give you actionable steps to take in your life. He's the author of the book, Conscious Millionaire, Grow Your Business by Making a Difference. It got over 50,000 downloads in the first day of going on Amazon. It made number one on Amazon. And also, he is the host of the podcast show, Conscious Millionaire. This guy is going to teach you how to become successful. You won't want to miss this show. You're going to love it. Before we get started, I want to remind you, I just launched my new website, www.keysofthecrowd.com. We help you take your business lifestyle to the next level through crowdfunding. We help you raise the money you need with crowdfunding. And like becoming a millionaire, you can actually become a millionaire through crowdfunding. And I can show you how to do that. With our site, we have everything you need to have success with crowdfunding. So check that out. That's keystothecrowd.com. So let's jump into today's show with J.B. Crumb. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. On today's show, we have J.V. Crum III, the man, the millionaire, the guy has done it all. J.V., what's going on, my man? Hey, Brandon, how are you? I, I'm excited. I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you on the show. We're going to learn all about you, and we're going to learn about how to become a millionaire by 25. <laughs> by 25, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's start by you telling your story, your background, how you're an entrepreneur at a young age, and then also how it led to you becoming a millionaire, and just tell me that process. We'll go from there. Sure. And there, there are a lot of, you're listening to this and, you know, this is one of the things and I'll, I'll point out some of the golden nuggets because when, when you're going through the process, you don't know they're the golden nuggets, right? Yeah, I but know. Then when you look back and especially when you write a book, you know, my editor said, uh, JV, you've got to tell your story. And actually that this, the first eight pages of the first chapter, that was the hardest part to write because I had to go back and understand what had happened and understand events in my life. And what did they mean and what influence did they have on the results that I've achieved, right? Yeah. Because you're going through it. You're not, you're not meta-commenting <laughs> at the age of five about what's going on. But I grew up – so let's just paint the picture. I grew up out in central Florida. It was a town. Maybe there were two or 300 people. I'd go, how big was the town? Well, there was a hardware store. And in the back <laughs> of the hardware store, it was a little 10 by 10 area, and that was the post office. You know, uh, if you ever saw Mayberry RFD, that, no. was, that was big. That was a really big town. You know, I'd look at that and go, wow, that's a big place compared to where I grew up. So uh, we kind of lived catty-cornered across from uh, one of the churches in town. Yeah. And uh, we're about a block off of this big four-by-five-mile lake. So I was always playing, you know, building sandcastles and kind of creating my dreams and, you know, running around barefoot all the time and 
out on the docks and using cane poles. We didn't have, we definitely didn't have enough money for a rod and reel. In fact, I've never actually fished, but once with a rod and reel. Oh my, my, dad. Wow. my dad and I, uh, after we'd made a lot of money, went down the Key West and rented a boat and went out, you know, deep sea fishing, just, yeah. you know, just to do it. But other than that, all my fishing uh, was definitely with a cane pole and little worms and, you know, things like that, little uh, yeast balls by my, <laughs> one of my grandmothers would make. So at any rate, you know, by the time I was five, I was getting really tired of going to the grocery store and I couldn't get the candy bar. Now, in many ways, that's part of the impetus for why I decided to become a millionaire. Because as little little kids, we have, you know, small wants, actually. And But we just didn't, we just struggled so much. Everybody in town did. Nobody had any money. My dad uh, farmed and my mom was a school teacher. And uh, so... When we go to the grocery store, mom would have a list and, you know, I'd hope there was some candy on it, but I knew not to ask. So one day I'm outside, I'm actually, you know, as I've gone through the store so many times, I was actually standing next to a kumquat tree. Now, if you don't know what a kumquat is, it's this very, very small fruit, kind of, it's a citrus fruit, but it's very, very, very tart. And I'm standing there and I'm going, okay, to myself, I'm going, okay, what's the answer to this problem? And the real problem, I think, was that I couldn't get the candy bar. <laughs> and so I sat there and I went, I had kind of this transformational vision of my future. I really thought about it deeply. And I, and I, as a little boy, and you know, when we're little, we kind of, we could become the king and the queen and exactly. the action hero, right? And we actually think we are Superman. And I said, I know, I'll be a millionaire when I grow up. Now, something happened in that moment that was profound. And, you know, I've actually gone back with all my NLP skills and modeled. And I now teach how to get in that exact state. And I call it conscious millionaire visualization. So that's a whole other story. But I actually now use that with clients to get them so connected. Because I think even at a DNA cellular level, there was some kind of a shift that happens because it was so profound. I ran into the house. I looked at my mom and dad and I go, I'm going to be a millionaire when I grow up. And my (laughs) mom immediately shook her fingers at me. Now, you know, this was not a moment in their life. This was a moment in my life. You know, to them, their little kid was just having, you know, I'm going to be a fireman, right? Kind of the same deal, right? But for me, this was it. And she says, don't tell anybody. Now, of course, being a little boy, I went around, I told everybody. Told everybody. Because that's what we do, right? Yeah. That's, that's what little kids do. It's like, no, we're going to go tell you, especially if they tell you not to. <laughs> and there were, there were a lot of kind of older women. And I was just like really friends with everybody. I was a very friendly little kid. So I'd go around and I'd talk to them. And I could just imagine they're, you know, they came there because it was a really beautiful place, but nobody had any money. And their husbands had died. So they kind of moved down from the north. And, you know, I can just see them going, Oh, isn't he a cute little boy? He's going to be a millionaire. He's going to be a millionaire. And wink at each other. He's (laughs) going to be a millionaire when he grows up, right? Because I feel very certain that in this little town, I was the only person, kid or adult, running around thinking they were going to be a millionaire. I don't think anybody else was like- I feel you there, yeah. Yeah, nobody else was like playing uh, that in in their heads. But for me, I believed it so completely. I never once doubted it. By the time I was eight years old, and I'd never been to mansions- I was drawing floor plans of mansions 
uh, of my dream homes. Now, what's funny when I thought through this later on, you know, writing the book and I'm kind of putting all these pieces together. Here's what the mansions were like. First of all, as a little kid, I didn't know there was anything to do in a bedroom but go to sleep. And I didn't like to go to sleep. So I didn't have any bedrooms in the mansion, right? (laughs) I knew that I liked to eat. So I had a kitchen with these three amazing dining rooms. There was a breakfast room. There was a, you know, really fancy lunch room. There was a big dining room. I mean, we were going to have feasts, right? Yeah. And then there was a huge, I think in the back in the 1800s, they would call them ballrooms, but that was, it was my party room. So there was a big party room. So you've got a kitchen, three dining rooms and a big party room. And then outside, because I lived on a lake, there was a, and I, so if you live on a lake, you want a pool, right? If, yeah. you live, if you have a pool, you want to live on a lake probably. So I had this big Olympic pool, cabanas, you know, really fancy. So basically I wanted to have parties. <laughs> and and I don't think that was a bad idea at no. you know, and I actually grew up to give huge parties at, at the home I ended up buying. I'd have parties for like 70 to 130 people and I'd spend four months planning them. And, you know, I just really, it turned out interestingly enough that I grew up to be someone who really liked to host people and, you know, have people have Same a great way. T- it's fun. Yeah. That I was actually foreseeing what was actually going to happen. And then, you know, you kind of fast forward, I was, went to college to go to med school because I had gotten, my father didn't make money and he was a business guy. Nobody in town made money and they were all kind of little independent business people. So the thing, it's interesting. And I want you to ask yourself as you hear this, what if you told yourself that may have negatively influenced your ability to make money right now? Because what I told myself is business is the way you lose money. Because as a little kid, that's all I saw. Yeah. The only people I knew in business were broke. And I said, well, that's not for me. I'm going to be a doctor because all the doctors I knew lived in really fancy houses. Right? Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, there was a there was a city, a city, quote unquote, 20,000 people, the big <laughs> city. We'd go in on Saturdays, you know, so you're kind of getting a picture no, of how I, I grew it. up. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a small world here. And uh, but the doctors still had nice houses relative to everybody else. And and I like science. I said, I'm going to go to med school. So I went to uh, Wake Forest and was in an advanced program to go to med school in three years. Took all my pre-med basically and decided one day I didn't think that's what I wanted to do. I was fine with it. Mom and dad were pretty crushed because they'd had to, you know, scrimp and save and, you know, take all the money they could to get me, you know, into a good college. But then I thought I'd go to seminary and decided that was the wrong decision. So I ended up with a master's in clinical psych. And I'm out in Los Angeles doing my master's, and I'm kind of the epitome. I should write a book about the starving grad student. Now, I actually lived for a year, this is the absolute truth, on $5 a week for food. Oh, my. Wow. Yes. You know, when you do that, you become so strategic because there was a central market downtown LA for all the poor people. I think I qualified would uh, go and buy their food. Cause it was super, super cheap. I literally had to park two blocks. away, and I was in super shape. It was 163 pounds working out five days a week. Yeah. And I'd park two blocks away. Cause I remember it was 40 cents for the meter and I only had five bucks. Right. Mm. And I knew what my budget was. And that was with me working two overtimes a month. I had to have two overtimes. So I was Jeez. the, I was the overtime kid. You want me for overtime? Doesn't matter when it is because I certainly had no money to pay for anything else. So yeah. it wasn't like it was going to cut into my schedule because I was working on my thesis at that time. And uh, 
So I would run to the central markets only had a half hour and I had it all down. And I talked to, you know, a lot of Mexicans, uh, women, you know, Mexican families in LA. And I figured out pretty quickly that Mexican food was pretty cheap to cook, (laughs) right? I'm I'm, I'm calculating. It's just beans and flour folks and a little (laughs) bit of tomatoes and some, some chilies. This isn't, doesn't look like a pretty expensive meal to me. So I'd go up, they were so nice. I'd go up to women in the grocery store and, you know, I'd say, will you tell me how to make a taquita? You know, will you tell me how to do, oh, sure. I'll tell you how to do this. And then I'd go and I, every week uh, I had 12 big burritos because that was my big deal. That took two bucks. I would get the beans and I didn't just soak them 24 hours. Uh -uh. I wanted to get my money's worth. I soaked them 48 hours. I wanted big beans. I wanted big burritos. And then I would get like, I think it was 39 cents at the time. I'd get like a dozen burritos. I'd go to the grocery store and I would get like a little bit of of ground beef and a little bit of cheese. I'm talking a little bit, you know? Yeah. And uh, the whole thing would cost $2 to make 12 big burritos. And of course, ramen noodles were my friends. Yeah, right? mine too. <laughs> yeah, I lived on ramen noodles. Uh, couldn't afford the macaroni and cheese. I think that was too expensive. So, <laughs> and once a week, the, the grocery store right next to the gym I went to, they had this forever special. Uh, the, the French fries came in a little box and it was like a 10 ounce box, but it was a dime. That was uh, their lost leader. Right. And I was the guy who bought it every week. And then they had some really cheap ground beef that was like 99 cents a pound at the time. So they all knew me and they were very nice. <laughs> and I'd go back and they'd give me a quarter a pound. They'd just give me a little, you know, I said, I only have 25 cents for that. So they'd give me 25 cents worth of ground beef. <laughs> and I'd go over to the bakery and they'd sell me one bun for eight cents. <laughs> Jeez. So once a week, my big treat were 43 cents. I had my hamburger and french fries. That was my, oh my God, my feast dinner, right? But I did it and I learned to be very strategic. So I was driving this car called a Datsun B10. They don't even make them anymore. And the only reason I bought it was yellow, black interior. Believe it or not, this is the late 70s and I'm getting 40 miles to a gallon and it was stick ship. So they didn't know how to make cars back then that got great mileage, right? And so, uh, and they bring them in by the thousands into LA to the port. The only reason I bought it is by a hundred dollars. It was the cheapest car for sale in America, right? And then I got a hundred dollars. Wow, a hundred dollars, and that was it. That was the make or break it. Okay, that's it. I'm buying that. So you know, forget the forget the design, <laughs> yellow with black interior. And so I would go for drives in Beverly Hills because you know. I was dreaming I was going to be a millionaire. So amid all of this, I never like in any way doubted I was going to be a millionaire. I was just trying to figure out how am I going to get there, right? Yeah. And a lot of it was that I was reprogramming my mind. So you think about it. You're listening to this. One of the most important things is you've got to get your mind. When I work with clients, the first question, you know, you do an enrollment call when you work with a private client. So you give them a free call. The first question I ask is if in three months you got a three to five fold return on your investment, how would you feel about that? So if they paid me $1,000, they got three to 5,000 back. If they paid me 10, they got 30 to 50,000 back. Yeah. I'm asking that question, one, I wanna get a barometer and I wanna get them thinking. I only one time had somebody say, I want 40 times and I knew right then I was doing the call because I was obligated, but that was never gonna work with this person. Yeah. Because their expectations were crazy. Yeah. You know, it's like I once had somebody call me 
And I, you know, they had a small amount of money and they said, uh, you know, we saw your website, you know, want you to help us become a millionaire. So I'm telling you this story. Don't call me and, and ask for this. All right. Cause I don't know how to do this. Yeah. If I did, I, I did the calculations. I think in three years I'd be a billionaire. So they said, <laughs> I said, well, you know, what's your time frame?" And they said four months. What? Yeah, exactly. That's what I kind of said. I, I said, well, um, you know, I got to be really honest with you. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Go buy a lottery ticket. Yeah, I, I actually have no uh, no knowledge for how you're going to do that in any predictable way. Is somebody going to do it? Yes, but it's such an outlier. It's about 10 standard deviations out, right? Yeah. It's one in the 100 million that did it in four months. Okay. So I said, well, what's the longest? She goes, well... We could go six months. And I go, no, still doesn't work. So they basically told me they thought I was a fraud. And and I they said, we read this on a website. And I said, that's great. Go back to that website, contact the person who created the website, and maybe they know something I don't. That's fine. But I'm just not going to tell you I know how to do that because I don't. <laughs> so anyway, I'm driving around in Beverly Hills because, remember, I was the guy at eight who was drawing pictures of mansions. You know, and little did I know, they actually had bedrooms in these things. So uh, one day, I'm in my little yellow Datsun B210. I'm 22 years old, and I drive up to a four-way stop. I kid you not. It sounds like something out of a movie, right? Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. The other three stop signs, Rolls Royces, which is my was my dream car, right? Yeah. So this was my dream car. And... First of all, I wanted to crawl under my seat because I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm thinking, no, I don't really belong in this car. And the second thing I said, no, I'm supposed to be in one of those. I'm supposed to be in one of those. And that was one of those moments, uh, again, of like, remember your path, that that's the car you belong in. And that's where I came to. So it was by the time, you know, I let them all go, right? You know, because I didn't want to hit them, right? Yeah. (laughs) Did not want to hit the Rolls Royce. And so here's what happens because- I want you to know, in this whole story, I've gone from five to 22. Have I once really mentioned how I'm going to do it? No, because I still didn't know how I was going to do it. But at five, what was important was that I decided I was going to do it. And that's the way I have achieved everything. Like right now, what's my number uh, in terms of financial? I'm going to have $100 million before I get out of here. Most of that's going to go- most of it's going to go to my nonprofit, but I know exactly why I want it. I have it all figured out exactly why that's important. I have another number, by the way. I want to positively impact 1 billion people. So that determines what I do with my day. Like being on a show allows me to leverage myself and connect with a lot of people. And something I was saying, if if one thing I said positively impact you, that qualifies. So, so true. You know, right. So you got to know where you're headed then life, if you're constantly focused on it, opportunities are going to start to appear. So it was interesting because this is not the opportunity I was expecting. So I'm working on the thesis. I fly home. Uh, I'm in California, fly back to Florida. I'm staying with my parents for a month. And my dad was basically, his company was basically bankrupt. And yet at the same token, he had a contract that he says, this contract could be worth money, son. You know, and I'm going, yeah, but I'm not interested in the trucking business. It's not what <laughs> to do. And I'm not interested in business, but I was interested in one thing. I was interested in my dad because I loved him so much. I wanted him to, to be okay. Yeah. And so by the end of that month, I didn't make the decision. I was about to finish my master's working on the thesis. I had about three months to go. That's what I was working on while I was there. And I didn't, 
I didn't want him to be in bad shape. So I said, okay, here's what I'll do. Because uh, at that point, I had gotten accepted to a PhD program, but I had done research, right? Yeah. And I found that at that point in time, the average PhD, and it's probably not great today either, in psychology was making $12,000. And I said, wait a minute. I don't think this is the path. <laughs> I like this stuff. I like the personal growth stuff. It's, you know, I love this kind of stuff, but I don't think it's going to make me rich. Now, turns around, Tony Robbins did kind of get rich from it. So, but, but I wasn't thinking, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking seeing clients, right? Yeah. So I said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, you're really good at logic. You're undergraduate. My minor was philosophy and religion, which is basically systems and logic. And I said, I bet you'd be good at law school. Turns out I was great at law school. Ended up, ultimately going to law school. And so I was taking the LSAT, planning to go to law school. So that was the track I was going to go, you know, but my parents had absolutely no money to give me. They'd only be giving me a hundred dollars a month, but still I, I couldn't exactly figure out how to pay for law school. So everything just kind of came together. And I said, you know what, I'll come back for six months. It turned out I was ducked to water. Uh, I was a natural entrepreneur and I didn't know it. But when I thought back, the clues were there. But I didn't call it being an entrepreneur. When I was four, I got a pump tent for my birthday. That's what I wanted. And we had a tangerine tree. We were My dad was related to the citrus business. Um, yeah. And we had a tangerine tree in the, car, in the yard. So my grandmother lived with us. And all we had were egg cartons. So I got the bright idea that I was going to squeeze the tangerine juice into the egg cartons and then set up my pup tent where the high school kids, because I figured they had some money because they had jobs, and I would sell them, forget the lemonade, I was going to sell them my tangerine juice. So I did. And I got a dime, which was a lot better than Lucy did, because I don't think she only got a nickel. And so I got a dime, and I'm sure they threw it away, uh, for my eight cartons full of tangerine juice. So I went into business selling tangerine juice. At I was selling boiled peanuts at seven. I was selling candles. I was selling, you know, I'd oh, order out of magazines. We, you know, it's like I could sell the cards for $1.25. I got to keep 50 cents. And that's part of the reason I knew all the older women in town is I could sell them cards and candles. <laughs> You're and just like me. <laughs> I was knocking on everybody's door. At nine, I learned to mow the lawn. So then I started mowing everybody's lawn for money. Um, so I was always doing stuff that we'd look back and we'd go, well, those were kind of, wasn't that entrepreneurial? Well, yeah, it was. But I didn't call it that. You know, I just called it getting some money. <laughs> That's how I called it. Yeah. I, I wanted to have some money in my piggy bank. So it turned out that I was kind of natural at this. And after three months, three weeks, yeah, it was three months of, of you know, looking at the trucking line. I was dispatching everything. Uh, we were up to 50 trucks pretty quickly. and But we didn't have any money. Yeah. We were pulling hundreds of loads so a week, a week. So I spent, I was an, I've always been a numbers kind of person. My tax, I ended up getting a law degree in, in tax. And so I'm, you know, just a numbers geek. Yeah. And I poured over the numbers for the weekend. And this was kind of, it's kind of funny when you look back because it kind of becomes the big duh. But here's a big lesson I want you to take away. Everything in business and life is really simple. All the answers are very, very simple. The thing is, we as human beings make it very, very complicated, and we're looking at all the trees so we don't see why the simple thing is. This is why I have a coach who's making over $10 million a year in profit. Why? Because he thinks differently than I thought. So yeah. I depict his patterns of thinking. It's why I coach people how they're going to get the seven figures. That's what I specialize in. Why? Because I know how to think that way, and I know how to behave that way, and I know the kind of actions that you need to take. So... So you've got to think 
in the way that you need to get to where you want to go. But the problem is it's hard for you to see that. So here's one of my big ahas. It's kind of like I'll be a millionaire at five. Yeah. I go over the numbers all weekend. I call my dad up and I go, dad, I figured it out. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny when I think about it. We're taking in less money every month, every week than we pay out. <laughs> well, but the, isn't that the real problem? <laughs> oh, now, it's so the, true. The things that are contributing to it. But when everything's said and done, we were taking in less money than we were paying out. And that's why we didn't have any money. So I said, I slept on it. And I said, well, I'm going to take care of this problem tomorrow. I'm not waiting anymore. Now that I know that now I've, I've solved the, solved the mystery. I called our clients the next morning. I got up to 25% increases the next day. And then after, after about a month of this, I'm going, huh, that worked pretty well. We're starting, <laughs> starting to have some, what we call cash flow, right? Yeah. I didn't, I actually did not even know that phrase that, but now I know it's cash flow. And I said, huh, it looks like we're spending too much on getting our trucks and trailers repaired. Looks like we're spending too much on supplies, you know, just kind of a gut level. I yeah. think I'm going to do something about that one too. So I met with all our suppliers and I said, guess what? I'm going to take blind bids. I'd already figured that out. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew not to let anybody know who was bidding or how much. And all of a sudden I got cheap prices on tires and tarps and all that other stuff. And I looked at what we we're paying on the tracks, tractors and uh, the tractors and the trailers to get repaired and how long they kept them and how much downtime there was and how much we lost in revenue. And I went, Dad, I think we need to start another company. We need to have a maintenance company. So we next week, we found a piece of ground with a building on it, did a lease on it, hired two maintenance people, put together a prevent. I talked to them and I said, okay, how are we going to get our maintenance costs down? They said, we need preventative maintenance. I said, fine, let's do a preventative maintenance program. So we created a preventative maintenance program. So every piece of equipment was seen every month and there were certain exact things that we looked for. And guess what? Maintenance costs went through the floor. Now we've got a huge gap. Yeah. The gap is between how much we're bringing in and how much we're paying out. And now there's a large amount of money there. And I'm going, hey, I think I like this stuff. This is kind of fun, <laughs> right? So by the fourth month, we're actually beginning to start to make money. And uh, there were nine years worth of liens. And I went and I talked to every one of the people. And uh, when I, I did an MBA about 12 years later, and you know, when I looked at it, I said, God, you did it by the book. I said, look, here's the deal. In three weeks, and they hadn't been paid, say somebody hadn't been paid in seven years. They've written it off. And I said, I want to get the lien off the company. I'll pay you 20 cents on the dollar three three weeks from now if you'll release the lien. Well, they were happy because they were getting money they never expected. I was happy because I wanted to get the company cleaned up. And by the end of the first year, we were making, you know, strong six figures. And within three years, we're making six figures in profit in a month. And that's when I bought the dream home that was four stories and the Mercedes and on the water. And it was 25 years old. But here's a really important part of this story. And then I want to tell you the formula that I figured out when I wrote my book, because it turned out I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. I want you to have that so you can use it to, you know, to create your millionaire path is I was in this home, beautiful home on the bay, three months in. And I have another revelatory moment. So you can see that my life has these revelatory moments. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason I think this happens is that I've come to look at life as a journey. You know, it, it's not really about the destination. We set the goals and those are important because they motivate us and they give us a place to go. But it's about what we're doing on the journey as yes. human beings. That's what really matters. And I looked out of the water and I realized that, yes, I had become the millionaire. Yes, that was my little boy dream. 
But somehow out of all of this, I wasn't fulfilled. I was miserable. And then I kind of paused and I actually said it out loud. And I said, and I don't even like myself and I'm horrible at relationships. And then I realized my personal life was a complete wreck Wow. and that I didn't have any meaning and purpose, but I'd gotten the money. And I said, well, something big is missing. Duh. Another one of those duh moments, right? It's like, yeah. something's wrong with this picture. <laughs> You're miserable, but you're living in this beautiful home in a Mercedes in the garage. Something's off balance. And I actually spent the next 15 years going to sweat lodges and spiritual retreats and Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer and reading all these personal growth books. And what I realized out of all that was that I wasn't doing something. I was doing my dad's journey. Now, this was fun for him. But I was I went to the clinical psych program because I really like helping other people. I like seeing their light bulbs go off. I like helping them connect with their potential. So it turned out that I was a personal, personal growth kind of person, that that was really at the core of who I am, personal growth, spiritual growth. And to me, being an entrepreneur is about constantly growing. It's the only way you can go to the next level. You've got to upgrade your mind. You've got to upgrade your emotional responses. You've got to upgrade your behaviors. Every time you want to go, to me, one of the most important things about going to 100 million and figuring that out is the growth like right now, you know, my podcasts are doing great. So I've started speaker training because I really want to get to be a great speaker because then I can influence 10,000 people at one moment and then 100,000 people because I see myself on those stages. And being when I see myself on them, there's actually no fear. I know I'll be scared shitless before I walk on the stage, <laughs> but I've been scared shitless, to be blunt, so many times in my life that... It's okay. I, you do it I, and you'll be fine. fine. It's perfectly fine because I know on the other side of that, life's good. Yeah. You just, you just got to go through that moment. I've been through that moment so many times that I'm actually not afraid of being afraid, if that makes sense. No, yeah. I feel you, man. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I went and I ended up saying, okay, I want to sell these companies. This is really not what I want to do. And then I went off on that personal sojourn. I had read um, Jack Kerouac's book, On the Road in High School. I don't know. You've never read that. Go read the book. It's a great book. What's it called again? Jack what? Jack Kerouac, On the Road. It's beat literature. Uh, and at any rate, in, in, in this novel, there's this long road trip. And because I like to travel, one of the things we did do when I was growing up, we didn't have any money, but we would go out and take three-week vacations. You go, well, how did you take three-week vacations if you didn't have any money? Well, remember I ate on $5 a week for, for food? Well, I learned that from how we took our vacations. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd fry up chicken, make potato salad. We'd have a cooler full of food. We didn't go to the restaurants. We didn't have that kind of money. And uh, we would stay at mom and pop kind of motels. Yeah. You know, were very inexpensive. Uh, but we made an adventure of the whole thing. And we'd have a pool and, you know, and we just had an adventure. You know, and and I remember one year, gosh, I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. I had uh, saved up money from working because I like to buy fireworks. And I once a year. Oh, me too. I love it. I love it. Couldn't buy them in Florida at that time. It was illegal. So we'd stop in Alabama and Georgia. We could buy them before we came back in. And uh, so I would save up my money. I would buy all these fireworks. And then we'd come home from our vacation because uh, we were the only family that actually even had a vacation. Nobody else even left the little town. So, and then we'd have a big event where everybody would bring some food and stuff. And then I'd go out on the dock and I'd have it all planned out. And I would shoot off fireworks for the whole uh, little little village. 
And so once a year I did fireworks for everybody. And so I saved all my money and I went and I bought fireworks once a year. So one year my parents had to borrow part of my firework money just to buy um, gas to get home. They said, son, you know, we're kind of out of money. We got to borrow your firework money. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, it's my firework money. Oh. No, I, I let them have $34 uh, to, get some gas, to get some gas and to get home. Yeah, nice. I know. So anyway, so the thing is, I went off on my own journey and I took a initially took a four-month, 30,000-mile road trip. And I went day-to-day, I made it up. I went to Canada. I ended up going to every province, including Newfoundland and Labrador. I went to every major city, and I would stay at the railroad hotels, which are really the really beautiful old hotels they did. And then outside, I would I had two bed and breakfast books, so I'd stay with bed in bed and breakfast. But in Canada, especially in the Maritimes, New Brunswick, uh, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Islands, uh, Newfoundland, the the bed and breakfasts are just extra rooms in people's homes who need the money. Yeah. And I call it their fancy room because the house would be kind of plain and then there'd be the, your, you know, they'd show you to your guest room and they had, you know, it was all fancied up and they'd have fancy soap and stuff like that. But they were so nice. I would end up, I wasn't supposed to have dinner. I ended up having dinner with them. We'd stay up drinking. I'd get to know them. It was my slice of their life and us sharing, you what, know. What did you learn from that? What was the biggest thing all that traveling did? What did you take away from all of that? Well, here's what I took away from it. I started the, it's a great question. Thanks for asking that. I, I'm a planner. So I had bought these lonely planets and all these books. And I, um, I had a year and a half because I decided to sell the companies. And I, I had an MBA and I had a law degree at this point. I got both of those while I was running the company. So I handled the sale myself. And uh, we went through seven negotiations. Um, it, the seventh one was the right one. So I, as much as I wanted to sell, I turned down six offers. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I was very motivated to sell, but I was also motivated to sell at the right price. Yeah. So, and the last one was the best offer, and it was the one that worked. And it was very nice people. And they, uh, they owned a, a regional trucking line. It was just bigger than ours, and it was family-run. There were a lot of commonality of values. And so it, it, and one of my requirements for anybody I was going to sell it to is that you know everybody who'd work for me, and I want you to remember this. If you, when you build your company, one of the best things you can do is sell it. But I want you to remember what I'm going to tell you because this is very important about you know your obligation to other people. All the people who work there, it was because of them that I got to live on Bayshore, that I got to have a Mercedes, that yeah. go to Europe on vacations, and that I was about to have a payday, right? Yeah. They weren't getting any new payday out of the deal. I was getting the payday. So I said, I want to be sure they're okay. So one of my requirements was I wouldn't sell it to anybody. And that's why I went, part of the reason I went through so many negotiations, because some people just wanted to fire everybody and, you know, hatchet it up. And I go, yeah. no, we're not going to do that. Is that everybody had to be offered their same or similar position at a same or similar compensation. And if somebody wouldn't agree to that in writing, then I wouldn't sell them the company. I like that. You're a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's critical. It's critical because we all get there because of the team. That team may be oh, the- Oh, it's all the people you surround yourself with. Right. And Brandon, that team is you and I now because you've been yes. on my show. I've been on your show. So now we're connected. We'll end up doing some business stuff together. This is how it happens. Yes, exactly. And everybody's got to win in the deal. And if you're not that kind of person, I guarantee you, you're going to win on the small way, not a big way. And you're going to ultimately have a kind of a lot of miserable experiences because the truth is nobody really wants to do business with somebody where they, 
it, they are the only winner. No, it's so true. You know, I always emphasize in the show, Napoleon Hill emphasizes on from thinking to rich, it's your mastermind group and you have to build your mastermind group because nobody has become very successful on their own. They've done it with a team and you clearly have done that. So we, we got about 10 minutes left. I want to hear from you, JV. Tell me. Well, let me, give you, let me give you the one formula. That the I, formula. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, the formula. Yeah, let's talk about the formula. So here's the formula that I – and I've got a special gift for you today. I'm going to give you 60 pages from my book that talks about – my book's Conscious Millionaire, Grow Your Business by Making a Difference. And, um, and it's been a bestseller, but I want to give you the part that's specifically about the formula. I'm going to give it to you for free, and I'm going to give you access to $97 program that's got 16 videos telling you how to apply all this material to build your business. I want you to have all of that so that you've got this really core piece that will make a difference very quickly. Here's the formula, and I can't go into all the details, but you're going to get all the details of how to use it, diagrams, everything, and what I'm going to give you, and even a video that's going to talk about that. But it's conscious, focused action. And I'll just go into the basics. In the conscious level, you've that's the most important level, by the way. Because when I speak, I go, which which area do you think is more important? Conscious, focused, or action? And inevitably, about 80% of the people have heard the phrase massive action. They think that's the answer. Let me tell you, that's the wrong answer until you know where you're headed. Because if you don't know where you're headed, you could be like going in 15 different you directions. you got to be aware of your success. Right. So you want to get to the seven figures. Let me give you one of the biggest clues. Make beginning to the seven figures one of your three top priorities and keep yourself focused on it. Another one's going to be how are you going to give your customers exactly what they want and need? Because that's how you're going to get to that seven figures. But you've got to stay focused on those two things. It's like you're, these are your driving force. You get up in the morning and you're obsessed about that. How do we do that better? How do I do that better? How yeah. do I do that better? How do I do that better? So the conscious is you've got to first get to know who you are. Who are you? What's that passionate difference that you're excited about making? How can you bring that into your business so that you gather a team around you and everything you all are doing is about you want to really make this difference in someone's life? Because let me tell you, when I did the trucking lines, I did well, but I was not excited about what I was doing. I was excited about discovering the mechanics of making money because I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Once I discovered that, it was kind of boring because what I really wanted to do was go out and make a difference in people's lives. Now, Conscious Millionaire, I get to do that. You've got to choose something that you're going to be on fire with and you've got to choose one niche market that you're going to work with for the next three years and you've got to know where you want to go in three years. All that's part of your conscious part. Then what are the resources you need and who do you need on your team and what are the different models, business models you could use to get there? That's all the part you've got to do up front, right? And you yeah. can do that in a short period of time if you have somebody guiding you through it so you're doing exactly what you need to do. And then the focus part, we talk so much about your mind being focused, but the Heart Math Institute has discovered that the heart energy is is uh, heart 5,000 times more energetic in terms of what it's putting out. So there's three parts to the focus. Your mind, your thoughts have got the questions you ask yourself constantly focused on this one specific outcome you want. Yes. Your heart's got to be full in it. You've got to be really fully engaged. And your body, this is the reason I have a second show on health and fitness. Yeah, I went and I, I was it. in the gym before I did this this uh, recording this this morning, is that you're, you've got to be healthy and fit. Same you've here, got man. to be. If you're not healthy and fit, you can't have the, you don't have any energy to take the action. And then you get to the action stage, just three parts real quickly. 
The first part is you list out every action you think you need to take to get to that goal. Let's say you want to be in a certain place in three months. List out all the actions, but then I guarantee you you've left them out because you're going to figure this out by putting them in the order that you need to take them, and all of a sudden you're going to realize there's some gaps. And usually those are things that you're assuming that you forgot to put them down. Yeah. And then you got to ask yourself, third, does something has to happen before one of these happens? Like maybe you're in a team and you need something from your graphic designer. Well, you got to be sure you get that from the graphic designer so that you can put together the landing page so that you can make the offer to people and drive traffic. But if you don't have the graphic design part done, the landing page can't be done, for example. Yeah. And then you've got to be focused on, on one specific result. In a nutshell, that's that's what you have to have. I want to give you the full version. You can go to consciousmillionaire.com forward slash, this is a hidden page now, dot com forward slash wealth formula. So consciousmillionaire.com forward slash wealth formula. I know, Brandon, you're going to have yeah, that. I, I'll post all that on the notes there and everything you got there on the tips, which great. I mean, you got some great stuff and it's it's crazy that most people aren't aware of these simple things. The simple things. But the answers are all simple. It's kind of like sitting down and realizing, oh, I'm taking in less money than I'm paying out. (laughs) You've got to know the specific steps to take. I can guarantee you that those three steps, you can make millions of dollars. You can make billions of dollars because those are the answers. (laughs) So what is – I want to ask a couple questions. We've got five minutes here. What is a top, I guess, mistake you see people or obstacle you see people making – for their journey of becoming a millionaire. Yeah, here is the number one mistake that I observe. Um, trying to do too many different outcomes at the same time. So instead of being focused, like I kept, I keep telling you, being focused on that number one thing for three week, three months from now, yeah. instead of having that number one, imagine, because the first step is you got to get 100,000 if you don't have a million, right? Yes. That's the first step. So if you were to wake up until you get to that 100,000, let's say you want to be at the 100,000 at the end of one year because the first year takes more work and then you get the momentum going. But let's just say it was one year. If And you worked 50, 50 weeks. That's 250 days, let's say. You got up and the number one thing you were focused on all day long wasn't all this stuff that doesn't matter, but you were only focused on actions that were going to help you put $100,000 in the bank. Yes. That's all you thought about all day long. You kept asking that same question. How can I do it? How can I do it? How can I do it? Now, just focusing on the money alone is not the answer because I've already told you that wasn't my answer either. You've got to be focusing on something you love, but there are many pieces to putting that 100000 in. But if you're only doing the things that are related to that and you eliminate everything else, the chances are extremely high when you do that for 250 days that you will accomplish that goal. It, the so biggest, if you want to lose weight and you get up every day and you chart everything, it's one of the things I'm doing right now because it's one of the reasons I started the health and fitness show. I took care of my dad while he was dying. I was in great shape. I was working out nine hours a week. Yes, it can happen to you. And uh, I gained 100 pounds because a lot of stuff happened very quickly. And, he yeah. and it was just very, very, very stressful when he was my best friend. But now I'm on a journey. What am I doing? I'm charting everything. I get up in the morning. I went and worked out. You know, I have the day planned out. I know how many calories I'm going to put in me. I know what supplements, you know. So you've got to have a, a plan. you got to focus, focus, focus on exactly where you want to go. And I see people going, oh, my gosh, until you have seven figures in income, I don't want to hear multiple streams of income. I don't want you even thinking multiple streams of income. 
Because I want you to think, how do I build this great business over the next three years? And you know what? If you build a fabulous business over three years, you've got a good shot at getting at your million. No one should take more than three to 10 years. Most people never get there. Why? Because they're so busy going 15 directions. That's the number one problem I see people do. That, that's, that's so true. A lot of people try to, as an entrepreneur, they have so many things. If they just focus on one, it's hard. I know how it is. Focus on one, you become the most successful. The last question I have for you before we go, I want to know your top three tips for young entrepreneurs for anything, whether it be making money, for health, life. What are your tips? If you're going to die tomorrow, what three tips would you leave to this country, this world? Yeah, yeah I would say first, I call it your true north. Uh, there are three components. We don't have time to go through them all, but it's that passionate difference you want to make that you've got strengths to do. That I would discover your true north first, and that'll be a guiding light for your life and for your business. Second, I would use the formula that I just gave you, conscious, focused action, and I would get laser focused on where you want to be in a 12 years, but I would 12 months, but I would also look out three years from now and know where do you want to be in three years? What do you want your life to be like? What do you want your business to be like? What do you want your position to be like? Okay. And then third, now that you know all of this, I would go out and look for all the opportunities that are aligned aligned with that and evaluate opportunities, not based on, oh, do you like the opportunity? That's not the issue. Is it aligned with where you want to be in three years? If it is, it may be one of the opportunities you should consider. And if it's not, it's somebody else's opportunity. There are plenty more good opportunities coming. You only want the opportunities aligned with where you want to be in three years. Hey, that's great stuff, man. Dude, this is very awesome stuff. You got a lot of great content here. We'll post in the notes. Again, JV, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. A lot of great stuff. I appreciate you, and I want to acknowledge you for one, what you're, the impact you're making on this earth, and I'll help you in any way because, dude, you are doing awesome stuff. I appreciate you, man. You are awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, bud. Well, Brandon, thanks for having me. It was my honor. And uh, listen, anything that I can do to help you get the Conscious Millionaire uh formula for creating wealth. I want you to apply that and I would love to hear from you as to how you're applying it and what you're doing with it. Hey, definitely. I definitely will. Well, hey everyone, that's it for today's show. In the meantime, go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's show with J.B. Crumb. I had a lot of fun. He really does teach you every step you need to know for becoming a millionaire. And also, go over to my website, BrandonTAdams.com. Check out the notes there. He has a gift for you that I posted there to teach you the steps and go through in more detail. And if you haven't done so already, check out his website, ConsciousMillionaire.com. This guy, like he said, he's building a company, many companies, and he's going to make a huge impact on this world to build up to inspiring over a billion people. So I'm going to help him do that, and you should too. Check out everything he's got. And before I go, I want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, 
Please go to Amazon, check out my book, Keys to the Crowd, Unlocking the Power Crowdfunding. It's a great book. It teaches everything about crowdfunding. And I'm even this week going, if you're listening to this right now, I'm going to Atlanta to speak about crowdfunding at the Amazon Inventions Tour. That is this weekend, September 25th and 26th in Atlanta, Georgia. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm even pitching the Arctic Stick to Amazon. I'm stoked. It will be fun. If you're there, please reach out to me. Come talk to me. I'll even give you a free copy of my book. Again, that's in Atlanta, Georgia, and you can check that out at www.amazon.com inventions. I'll have that linked up on the notes as well. That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. In the meantime, go out there, create something great, become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody.